Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from community engagement pastor Chad Johnson. The question that I asked the Campbell family this morning was, what are you looking forward to? Right? What are you looking forward to this season? It's an interesting one if you really start thinking about it. Of course, if we ask a child what they're looking forward to, they're usually gonna say Christmas, right? Which we know means presents or gifts. Right? They're so eager to figure out what's gonna be under that tree. Is it a new toy for their collection? Is it clothes? Is it their new obsession? What is it? Some kids will go and do anything to figure it out before Christmas. They can't stand waiting. And if I'm, if I'm uh, guessing, there's probably a lot of us adults who don't like waiting either. You see, one of the things that my mother would do to help curb our curiosity is make it really interesting at Christmas time, she would purposely wrap fake gifts, like there's nothing in it, right? Or she'd add weights to fake gifts or to gifts that we already had. So when the waiting just became unbearable for me and my brothers, we'd go and pick up a gift and shake it. And of course, we'd have no clue because she's so creative, like we still didn't know, did she add weights to it? Is there even anything in the box? She would laugh hysterically through this whole process as my brothers and I groveled in agony, like, just tell us what it is, right? And eventually we might get to the point like, okay, just give us a hint. We'd ask questions like, is it greater than five bucks? Is it greater than 10 bucks? Or we'd move to the size like, is it bigger than a toy car? Is it bigger than a puppy? And of course my mom would love to do like one big gift for the family and we'd eventually get to that, that gift and ask questions. Is it, is, it, is it better than last year? And she'll say something like, oh, it's better than that. And of course, even now thinking about it, the excitement to say, here, it's better than that. I mean, I'm going, there's no way, last year was fantastic. It's better than last year? Yes, it's better than that. You see, in Advent, we have a tendency to already know the answer, uh, but not always know the weight of it, right? We might know that it celebrates Jesus coming into this world, right? But do we really understand how great that really was for us? Do we understand that he has promised that he's coming back again? Wait, what? Jesus is coming back? Yeah, one day. Is it going to be greater than the last time? Oh, it's going to be greater than that. You know, I'm, I'm really curious. If we ask this question, what are you looking forward to in any other season, what would we say? Right? Of course, in the Christmas season, we know Jesus is the reason for the season, so we're going to respond that way. But what about January or February or March? What are you looking forward to? Would we say we're still looking forward to Christ? You see, in many ways, we are always looking forward to something, right? We're often looking to something in the future, in the distance, that's going to bring us hope or joy or relief. You see, I believe we have miniature advents in all seasons of our lives, but more often than not, it's not Christ that we're looking for. It's not Christ-related. For instance, kids, you probably heard this or heard said this before, I just can't wait until school gets out. Right? We're looking for school to get out. And parents are right behind them going, well, I can't wait for school to open back up so you can go back. Right? And if you're pregnant, you might say something like, well, I can't wait for this baby to be born. We often look to new jobs, new opportunities, new hopes, maybe even. And we're always looking to something. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this at all. I'm simply trying to make the point and show you that we're always experiencing some sort of advent. We're waiting for something to come some sort of hope, if you will. And if it's not Christ, you may still be wanting more. But I think it actually communicates something greater, some bigger picture for us, if we'll let it. Because what if God has uniquely designed us to have this desire of waiting and looking for something? 
but it can't be fulfilled until it shows up, until he shows up into our lives. Or it can't be fully fulfilled until we get to see him face to face. What if contentment is only found in waiting on him and fully found in the advent of Christ? You see, in this Advent series, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament scriptures to, to help us find hidden hopes of Christ in which he reveals in his life. I mean, waiting is hard. You don't have to argue to anybody about that point. We have a hard enough time waiting day to day and for our kids waiting Christmas to Christmas. But before us, the people in the Old Testament, they had to wait hundreds, even thousands of years for that very first Christmas. So how do they do it? How do they do it well? How do they expectantly wait for the coming of the Lord? See, I believe that they held on to their miniature advents in their life right, of God showing up and providing, that he gave them along the way. All throughout the Old Testament, God gave his people hints, hidden hopes, promises to hold on to, leading up to the very first advent. What they may have not known, though, is that all those little moments of God showing up were like breadcrumbs pointing to Christ himself. Paul reminds us, even to the church of Corinth in chapter two, verse nine, and he's actually quoting Isaiah, who is telling the people to be looking for their redeemer and says this, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no human mind can or has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. As we wait, we don't, we can't even imagine it. So today I want us to look at an old Testament person and see if we can learn something about how to expectantly wait well. How do we essentially look forward to the advent of Christ in our lives in the midst of our mini or miniature advents? I want us to focus on Joseph today. Now, I'm not talking about Joseph as Jesus' earthly father. I'm talking about Joseph as in the son of Jacob. Some of you guys may know he was the, the uh, boy with a coat of many colors, right? The dreamer. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers and, he, and then sold into slavery and then falsely accused and convicted and thrown into prison. Merry Christmas. That's really exciting, right? <laughs> See, that's the Joseph I want to look at this Christmas season, though, today, and hopefully glean some hope so we can see how to wait well looking for Jesus. See, we're specifically looking at Joseph's life in prison today. Some of you might be thinking, of course, Chad, you're going to choose a prison story as we talk about Christmas. That really puts me in the spirit. But bear with me. I want us to look at this miniature advent as he hoped to get out of prison, as he hoped for a promise to be fulfilled. Then we will see why I think this is a perfect picture for us to kick off our Advent series this year as we learn to wait in our circumstances. For those of you guys who may not know or need a reminder, Joseph was one of the youngest in his family of, of 12 brothers uh, who, who eventually later sold him into slavery in Egypt, right? Talk about drama at a holiday dinner. But he proved he was still able and favored by God. And this won him favored by his master, Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife also took notice of him and she found favor in him in an entirely different way. I'll let you go back and read that. But Joseph was an honorable man and he did not advance in her favor and she accused him of wrongdoing, which landed him in prison. But what's so crazy about the story and all of this, the scriptures never tell us that Joseph ever lost hope, right? There's no evidence of it at all. In fact, the right, uh, it's, it's right the opposite. It's as if he was holding on to something that didn't fade, that didn't waver, that never failed. 
Like, what was it? Can we have that today too? And then I remember his story didn't start in prison. His story started with a dream that happened way before he was ever in slavery. Read with me. It's in Genesis 37, five through eight. It says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we are binding sheaves, bundles of grain in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Well, his brothers didn't like that. And they said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for this dream and for his words. See, regardless of what Joseph's brothers did, I believe what got Joseph through the hardest of times was he was remembering his dream. He was remembering his promise and he held on to it. You see, this season, when I ask, what are you looking for in Advent or any other season, I want you to, to, to look for this answer. We need to be looking for God's promises, his promises so you can persevere. We need to be looking for his promises so you can persevere just like Joseph did. He held on to it. Now, I don't know many of us who would be really optimistic after our whole family abandoned us, right? Turned their back on us. Our boss uh, turned their back on us. Even his wife <laughs> turned their back on us. And then now we're in jail. I don't know many of us who would still be very cheery. But Joseph persevered. What promises do you hold on to like that? What are you looking to, 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 to give you hope? Humanity, we, we, we have a tendency to build hope in man-made dreams and desires. And you may disagree with me on that, and that's okay if you do, but let me, let me ask you one more question. When I ask you, what are you looking for? Or what are you hoping for? Is it something you see God has told you or is telling you? Or is it something you have written for yourself by comparing your life to others? Or something that the world tells you that you need? See, I, I want to challenge and I want to encourage us this season to try to make what we're looking forward to something God has written, not something man has promised. See, if you don't already have a, a promise to hold on to, find a promise in Scripture that God has written and cling to it. For those of you guys who know my story, you'll probably heard me say this. Mine is Romans 8:28. All things work out for the good of God who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when my man-made dreams and my man-made desires fall aside, and instead of kind of losing it, I get to go, no, what's the promise? God is still working out things for the good. When I have uh, something just blindside me and I'm not expecting it, instead of responding it and losing every bit of faith that I have, I go, what's the promise? What's the promise? God is still working out things for the good. What promises do you hold on to? Is it from God? So look to his promises so that we can persevere. See, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she's being told that she's going to birth the Messiah and they should call him Jesus, and the angel even tells her, your cousin who is, is barren is also going to be with child. The angel finishes with these words. It's in Luke 1, 37. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. See, God's promises don't fail. It's easy to, to, it's, not, it's easy to hold on to a promise when things are easy, right? But it's not easy when things get difficult, right? When circumstances get hard. I mean, think about it too. It's, it's hard to find anybody that hasn't had a promise broken to them. But Joseph knew that if it came from God, that it was the only thing that would last. 
right? It would be greater than his sorrows. It'd be greater than his highest status. It would be greater than any circumstance that he's in because all that stuff can change and it will change, but God's promises will keep holding true. Can you find that kind of assurance this season? Do you need to find that kind of assurance this season? Is there a sorrow that you're fighting through? Or maybe you're on the other side and you're just, you're comfortable in your situation and that's great. But I need to remind you, all this will pass, but not the promises of God. Now this isn't a blind hope that Joseph is clinging to at all, right? Because he knew what to be looking for. He was looking for God to always be with him. Even in prison, Joseph still found favor to listen and, and, and know that God was with him. Listen, it's in Genesis 39, 21 through 23. It said, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Even though he was in low circumstances, he had not lost his favor in the presence of God to be with him. See, I believe Joseph could withstand his circumstance because he was also looking for God's faithfulness in his life, which is our second point. We need to be looking for God's faithfulness too. So let's look for his faithfulness so you can be encouraged. Look for his faithfulness so you can be encouraged. Now let me see if you guys are paying attention to this. Let me ask you a few questions. You're welcome to talk back to me. Uh, who was still with Joseph even in prison? God, that's right. Now here's a trick question. Who was faithful? God was. God was faithful. Here's how you can know this. D does our encouragement come from our faithfulness? No. Does, it come from, does our encouragement come from somebody else's faithfulness that we're comparing our lives to? No. Our encouragement comes from God's faithfulness. Why? Because the people around us will fail us. It's going to happen from time to time. We will fail ourselves. We are broken people. It's going to happen from time to time. But the reason for our joy, the reason for our Lord, the very first advent was because of this. And when he came, the word tells us that they will also call him Emmanuel. Do you remember what that was supposed to mean? God is with us, right? He is faithful. So be encouraged. No matter what your circumstances is, he is with us. See, some of us today, this holiday season, we need to be reminded that God is faithful over our faithfulness. Now, we need to continue to strive and strengthen our faith, but at the same time, when we fail, if we've sinned or messed up, God tells us we can repent and ask for forgiveness, right? He's faithful through for, for forgiveness through Christ. But guess what? Y'all need to hear this. Your mistake does not waver God's faithfulness. Remember that. I may feel the grief of the spirit in my life if I've done something I need to work through, maybe the conviction of sin in my life and I can go repent and ask for forgiveness. But ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I have my faith is because I have the advent in my life. He has already come and he is with me today. That encourages me and I cling to that. I'm reminded of these words in Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. My God promised me that if I come to him, that he'll give me rest. He promised me that if I come to him, that he'll give me life. So I look for his faithfulness over and above my own. 
Joseph didn't lose hope in his promise, even in the depths of prison, right? He didn't go, well, this stinks. I guess I misinterpreted that dream, right? I guess God forgot me. I don't know what's going on now. No, he didn't say that. He still believed in his dream and his ability to interpret them. We know this because he confidently interpreted two dreams while he was in prison. While in prison, he was placed over Pharaoh's officials uh, that had offended the Pharaoh, right? Who had offended him, the cupbearer and the bread maker. He is made aware that they have had dreams that are causing them great conflict. So he helps interpret their dreams. For the cupbearer, for the one who literally comes face to face from, to the king of Egypt, hands him his cup of wine. He gave him a favorable interpretation. Joseph told him in three days time, uh, you will be reinstated as the cupbearer for the Pharaoh. Joseph was so confident in this interpretation that he said, hey, and when you're there, remember me, tell him about me, share my name with him. When the bread maker heard that, that, that the other one had a favorable interpretation, he goes, well, here's my dream. Well, he did not get so much of a favorable <laughs> interpretation. Joseph told him, in three days' time, you will be executed on a tree. This is in Genesis 40, if you want to check out that story. But guess what happened, guys? In three days' time, the cupbearer was back at Pharaoh's side, and he did not remember Joseph. While the bread maker was put to death because of his offense against the king. See, Joseph still had his gift and since these things came true, imagine how good he felt knowing of his ability to interpret and that what it made him think about his own promise. By looking for God's faithfulness, he was encouraged to see God was still with him, that he had not forgotten him. Even though the cupbearer did forget Joseph, Joseph knew that God was faithful. He was greater than the cupbearer. Here's the funny thing. Joseph started as the favorite son of the father, right? But the rest of the family hated him, all right? And so he was sent away from them. Then he was a slave, and now he's a prisoner. Now, if you didn't know it, it just seems like his life just keeps getting worse and worse. But we know the entire story. And we know that Joseph had never been closer to the king of Egypt than when he was in prison. Now, I hope whoever is here that hears this today you might think you're in the worst season of your life, the worst thing you've ever experienced. You might think life can't throw any more shade at you. It's already dark enough. But I wanna tell you, keep your head up, your eyes to his promises, because you might be closer to the king than you think. Family, when we find ourselves in this waiting period, looking around to see if God is still with us, if he has forgotten us, I wanna encourage you to keep doing the next best thing. Keep being the person God created you to be. Keep using the gifts that he has given you. Not what your sin tries to define you as, not what your circumstance tries to describe you as. Keep using those gifts that he's already given you while you wait, because he is faithful. We need to know that God may not show up the way that we expect him to, but he will show up. But when he does, it will be greater than what we expect. And that's where I wanna land the plane today. On this last point, look for his promise to be greater than what you expect. Look for his promise to be greater than what you expect. See, two years had passed since the cupbearer had forgotten Joseph. And then one day, Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could interpret it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the cupbearer goes, oh yeah, I remember this guy. He can help. And that was Joseph's key out of prison. But not only did it get him out of prison, he interpreted the, the dream correctly. And Pharaoh saw that he was wise enough to handle the circumstance that he was discussing. 
So he put him in the highest place of authority. We see this in Genesis 41, 41 through 43. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in a second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Now, now don't miss this. The dream has almost come to full fruition. We know later on in the story that, that Joseph's brothers and father actually do bow down to him. But on the way to that point, it wasn't just them. It was the whole land of Egypt. It was greater than what he could have expected. See, God is not a cheap gift giver. And don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about when I say cheap gift giver. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. There's people out there. I'm not knocking them. That's just their style. And as the saying goes, if you don't know anybody that's a cheap gift giver, it might be you. <laughs> We're going to pray for you. I'm just teasing. teasing. Y'all know what I'm getting at here. See, but God is not a cheap gift giver. God does not overpromise and underperform. He overpromises and overprovides. Think of the best gift giver that you've ever experienced, right? The one who knew things that you wanted way before uh, you even knew you needed them. The one who knew exactly what matched your, your, your eyes, whatever matched your personality. And, and think about what that makes you feel like. God is a greater gift giver than that. See, God promises Joseph uh, his faithfulness, right? And God's promises to Joseph were faithfully fulfilled above and beyond what Joseph may have originally thought. God's promises for his people will be much of the same way. And we get the glimpses of them in our miniature advents as we wait for the main event, the main advent, just like Joseph experienced in his miniature advent of getting out of prison. Remember, this prison event in Joseph's life was a miniature advent of God fulfilling his promises. Joseph expectantly waited for God to promise his promise to be fulfilled. But there's a greater promise that this is still pointing to in the first advent. In many ways, Joseph's story has many parallels that remind us of Jesus himself. They're, they're hidden hopes to us today, as the whole Old Testament is. So let's look back over Joseph's story real quick. And let me just kind of give you a few glimpses. Joseph eventually saved Israel in his role as a leader. But our Christ, who is greater, saved the world as our Savior. See, the bread maker after three days died on a tree. But our Christ, who is greater, died on a tree and after three days rose again. Come on. Right? Now, the cupbearer was in, imprisoned after three days and was lifted again to his office next to the king of Egypt. But our Christ, who is greater, not only was he lifted to life, but he was lifted to the right hand of the Father, the king of the universe. Our Christ is greater. He's not done yet, guys. The cupbearer who forgot Joseph. But our Christ, who is greater, never forgets you. Christ calls you by name even now, and he prays for you to the face of God. That same Christ who came as an infant in that first advent says he will come again. And when he returns, guess what? It's going to be greater because he's going to be coming as our king. Greater than we can imagine. Greater than Joseph's story. Greater than the Old Testament. Greater than our circumstances. Our God is faithful and Christ is greater. In many ways, we cling to that first advent as evidence of his faithfulness, as we're encouraged to reach and wait for the second advent. 
So what are you looking forward to this season? Is it Jesus? Or is there some other miniature advent that you're going through right now that you're looking for? And if it's God and when he shows up, remember that whatever you're going through, when God provides, it's a wink, a glimpse of the advent that we're waiting for that will be greater than that. Till then cling to his promises and his faithfulness so that you can endure and be encouraged in him. Now, maybe you're in a circumstance which you don't necessarily need encouragement. I guarantee you, you're around someone who does. Take this truth to them and be a hidden hope to them as well. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the gift of your word that we get to cling to. I thank you that we get to celebrate in the season that you are faithful, that you show up and you are with us. So God, I pray now that whatever we're going through, that you work with us, that you remind us you haven't forgotten us, but that you're faithful. Thank you for your son and the opportunity to cling to you. We love you and we praise you. In your name I pray. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openizen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.